So as we come to this, this final uh, teaching today, uh, I've entitled the, the message today the, the never-ending story because that's really uh, what, we, what we see here as we conclude the book of Acts. If you think about it, uh, the ending of the book of Acts isn't really much of an ending. You know, it's one of those things where you're, you're sort of like, wait, I mean, you know, it ended right there because there, uh, it just seems like there, there's so much more to tell. And of course, there, there was more to tell and there is more to tell. So I, I think this, um, this sort of non-ending is intentional uh, by the Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit who began the great harvest of souls on the day of Pentecost would continue his work long after the original apostles were gone and would continue his work right down to this very day. So as we've been studying, as you know, we've been looking at the history, we've been looking at you know, the, the various events that are recorded here, but we've also been looking to make that connection with the, the present situation. And so uh, we, we will come back, and this, this will be actually our closing point, we'll come back to this, this point, but before we... Um, get there. there, there are three things that I want us to see from the passage that we read today. And the first one is this, that the sovereign purposes of God will prevail over all uh, of the opposing forces. And, and so we see that. We're reminded of that. You know, some have wondered uh, why Luke would spend so much time and detail on the story of Paul's journey through this storm from Jerusalem, Caesarea, uh, to Rome. And yet it seems that through this detailed account, Luke is, is highlighting something. He's highlighting uh, the fact that God is going to get his work done. He's going to get his servants uh, through whatever might, might come against them. That, that's really the reason that Luke gives us this kind of detail. He's showing that despite the opposition, and boy, there's some serious opposition here, but despite this, uh, God, God is faithful. Now remember, Paul, Paul is, you know, he seems like he's a, he's a victim of these injustices. He's been arrested and falsely accused and tried and all, all of the stuff that he goes through. But remember, there is, a, there is a plan here, and the plan is to get him before Caesar. The Lord said to him, you're going to testify for me in Rome. Just like you testified in Jerusalem, you're going to testify for me in Rome. And as we saw in the beginning of our reading, uh, the Lord said specifically to him, you're going you're gonna to stand before Caesar. And so that's, that's the goal but then we see that there's all of this uh, opposition to that. John Stott said this in his commentary. He said, it's not so much that Paul had said, I must visit Rome, as that Jesus had said to him, you must testify in Rome. Yet circumstance after circumstance seemed calculated to make this impossible. Paul had expressed his intention to proceed straight from Jerusalem to Rome Instead, he was arrested in Jerusalem, subjected to endless trials, threatened with assassination, imprisoned in Caesarea, nearly drowned in the Mediterranean, almost killed by soldiers, and poisoned by a snake. Each incident seemed to be designed to prevent Paul reaching God's planned, uh, reaching his uh, God plan, 
in God-ordained destination. And that's exactly what we see. The reality is the devil is the great enemy of God, the gospel, the church, me and you. Anybody who's gonna go in the direction of serving God is gonna meet opposition. But the good news is that um, God wins in the end. And, and the Lord is victorious. So despite all of these efforts by Satan, really, uh, to prevent Paul from standing before Caesar. Now remember, Paul had stood before these other uh, rulers. He stood before Felix and Festus and King Agrippa. But ultimately, he's gonna stand before the emperor, the, the, the ruler of the world at the time, and he's going to testify, Jesus said. And you can, you can be sure that Paul did do that. Now, we don't have any record uh, in the Bible of what happened uh, when Paul eventually stood before Nero. Uh, but we do know from church history that he did stand before Nero, uh, not once, but probably twice. And eventually, he was given the death sentence uh, by Nero. But, but one of the things I want us to see here that we have to have a little bit of familiarity with some of his other writings to understand. Um, Paul, as John Stott pointed out here, Paul's plan was to go directly from Jerusalem to Rome. And he told the Roman church that when he wrote the letter to him. Now, we have, if you just flip over in the book of Acts to the next page, you're gonna be at the epistle to the Romans. And this was the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Rome, but he wrote this letter before he ever got there, long before he got there. And he told them in the letter that his plan was this. I'm gonna go to Jerusalem, I'm gonna deliver this gift, and then I'm gonna come by you or come to you on my way to Spain. So that was Paul's plan. And then he says this, he says, now, okay, so pray for me, and, you know, pray that I have a smooth journey and, um, you know, I'll, I'll see you soon. <laughs> That's pretty much the way Paul uh, understood things to be. So here's the thing. Paul knows that he's going to Rome. He thinks he's going to go there by way of, you know, just going to go to Jerusalem, just going to visit, drop off a gift, and then I'll be on my way to you. Smooth sailing, not going to be a problem. Uh, but it doesn't happen like that at all, does it? It's completely different. The only thing that Paul got right was, I'm going to Rome. <laughs> the rest of it was, <laughs> no, it didn't happen that way. And I say that because of this. Um, you know, that, that's just the way it is. God will show us things. God will kind of give us a sense of, you know, in, a, in some sense, like destiny. Like, this is where you're going. This is what you're going to do. Uh, but the way we get there, he, he reserves that for himself. He doesn't tell us that. And I know why. Because if he told us the details, uh, we would say, uh, no thanks. Um, you know, I'm not going. Get, get somebody else. I mean, you know, if Paul said, or if Jesus said to Paul, Paul, you're going to go to Rome, and here's how we're going to do it. You're going to go to Jerusalem. You're going to get beat almost to death by a mob. And don't worry, you'll get rescued. But then, you know, these 40 guys are going to try to assassinate you. Uh, but don't worry, I'll, I'll protect you. And then you're going to go to prison. And you're going to stay in prison for quite a while in Caesarea. But don't worry, I'll get you out of there eventually. 
And uh, then you're going to get on a boat and you're going to sail to Rome, but there's going to be, you're going to get in the middle of a hurricane and your ship is going to sink and you're going to land on some island, but don't worry, I'll get you out of it all. Paul would have said, I think, if I was Paul, I would have said, I don't think so. Lord, that's not the plan. (laughs) Can't we go another way to Rome? Can't we, uh, you know, I'm sure there's got to be an easier way to get there. But, of course, like I said earlier, there's opposition. So God has a plan. He's going to move us in a direction, and the devil's going to do all he can to try to thwart that, to try to prevent that. But God overrules all that, but he still allows some of it to happen. And boy, as you look at this, this thing with Paul, and as you just look at the, the ministry of Paul and, and the other apostles, for that matter, all throughout the book, you see that uh, it was just, you know, every single effort to get the gospel out was met with opposition. Now, that's still true. It's still true today. But I, I wonder, and there are people that live in these circumstances. I mean, what if for us, what if every time we try to make any forward advance with the gospel, what if we were met with this kind of opposition? You know, how many of us would just say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do anything because it's, it's just too hard. But, you know, that's the way it is. I was talking to a friend after first service, and um, he used to be a, a fighter, a boxer. And he was just telling me how, you know, just every day is such a battle and all of that. And uh, I said, yeah, of course it is. I said, just every morning when you get up, just think later on today, I'm going to get in the ring and some guy's going to try to rip my head off. Because uh, you lived that physically, you know what that's like. Well, that's what it's like spiritually. That's what, that's what happens. And whenever we take any step toward God's will, God's, God's plan for us uh, to be used by God, just know this right up front. You're going to be met with opposition. But don't back down because you're met with opposition. Keep going. Keep pushing through because the Lord is going to get you through it. Now, like I said, anything you try to do, you know, let's just say today you just have this feeling like, you know, I think I should teach Sunday school. Um, and that, that's such a great idea. And man, I just feel so strongly that the Lord wants me to teach Sunday school. And then you go over and you say, I'd like to register. I want to get the training. I want to be, you know, part of the Sunday school ministry. They say, great, we'll sign you up right here. Um, know this, that before you get into that position, all hell will break loose. Just know it. (laughs) That's the way it works. And don't fall for what the enemy wants you to fall for, to think, well, you know, that was a bad idea. I shouldn't really teach Sunday school. What was I thinking? Or man, this, you know, there's just all this stuff's gone wrong in my life. I, I can't do that anymore because of this. No, that's all part of it. Just press through, just keep going. And you know, whether it's teaching Sunday school or going on a short-term mission or doing anything, anything that you're going to do that's going to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's going to lead somebody closer to the Lord, it's going to be met with opposition. That's the truth. But Again, remember this, the sovereign purposes of God will prevail over all opposing forces. So we can have that confidence 
that in the end, even though the, the, the way we, we, we get there might be far different than we ever imagined, uh, God's gonna get us there. Or God's gonna get the thing done that he wants to get done as we yield ourselves to him. So that's number one. Secondly, the thing that we see here that I think is important to remember is that response to the gospel will always be mixed. There's always gonna be a mixed response to the gospel. You know, sometimes I, I just, you know, listening to different voices and hearing what people say at times, um, you know, we can almost get the impression that the, the reason people don't believe is because they just haven't had a clear or a proper presentation. And if, you know, if they could just hear the gospel from us, we would make it really clear and then they'd all believe. Uh, that's just not the way it works. Of course, that's not the way it worked with Jesus, right? Can you get a better presentation of the gospel than from Jesus Christ himself? No, you can't. But not everybody believed the message that Jesus brought. And so here it is with Paul. Paul is there in Rome. He's got these, uh, all of these Jewish leaders now that have come together. They're asking questions. They say, tell us about this sect. That's what they called it, a sect. Uh, tell us about this because we don't really know about it, except we know this, that it's, it's spoken against everywhere. So Paul, we've got some questions we want to know. So they come together, and again, who's, who's a better person to explain to Jews uh, the law of Moses, the prophets, and how th those were all testifying of Jesus. Man, Paul was a rabbi, so he knew it all. And so, you know, you would have thought that once Rabbi Paul communicated that clearly to that group, they all would have said, oh man, hallelujah, the Messiah has come. Yes, we believe, but they didn't. Some of them did, but there was a division. Some of them refused to believe and went on in their resistance. And, and this is what we should expect today as well. Not everybody's gonna believe. And again, I think sometimes uh, just, you know, some people think that if, if people aren't believing, it's, we're at fault because we're misrepresenting or we're not really being loving or we're not, you know, whatever the case might be. But, you know, the truth is you can be the most um, loving, clear communicating, gracious, you know, gospel presenter of your generation, and there's still people that just, they don't want to hear it, they don't want to believe it, and they're going to resist what we say. That's just a reality. But a third thing that we see here is that God will send his message where it will be received. And that's what Paul says. After speaking to them, after quoting Isaiah to them, reminding them, well, you know, as, as they harden their hearts, Paul says, yep, that's just what Isaiah said. You guys are fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. Hearing, you're going to hear, but not understand. Seeing, you're going to see, but not perceive. Why? Because your hearts have become hard. And so you won't turn so God can heal you. So Paul then says to them, let it be known to you that from this point on, God's word is going to the Gentiles and they will hear it. They will hear it. God sends his word 
to where people are going to hear it. Now, you know, sometimes I get a, just a fear for our country uh, because of the exposure that we have had for basically, you know, from the very beginning of the history of, of this nation, a couple hundred years, uh, the exposure that we've had to the gospel and the, the freedom with which the gospel has been able to go out into the culture. And it seems like we have a, a similar thing to what the, the case was with the Jews in those days, where it's like, yeah, heard that, heard that already. Yeah, I'm not interested. You know, don't really care. Uh, people have heard it so much, their hearts have become hardened. Years ago, I had an experience in Hungary, uh, in the city of Debertson, that, that just illustrated this point. We were there, we were doing outreach in the center of town, and there was a group of probably 50 young, uh, I would say they were, you know, college freshmen type of age, Americans, and they were there, I don't know what they were doing in the city, they were on some kind of a tour, and they were walking through, and there we are, we're in the center of the city, and we're doing music, and we're preaching the gospel, and they came by, and they mocked us, and jeered at us, and cussed at us, and told us to get out of there, and go home, and you know, all of those nice things that uh, you would think young American college students would say, and um, and I remember thinking, wow, how, how sad is this? But at the very same moment that that was happening with them, the Hungarian people were gathered around saying, can you uh, keep telling us this message? And not only the Hungarians, but there were two guys, I just remember this so vividly, they were refugees from Iraq. And they were Muslims. And they happened, there was a refugee camp in the, in the area there, so they would come into the city during the day and you know, try to get some work and, and all of that. So, so they ended up there uh, within earshot of our message, and they came up as we were preaching and as we finished, and I started a conversation with them. These are the exact words that they said. They said, we have never heard such beautiful words. Can you tell us more? of this good news. And I'm thinking, I got, I got two Iraqi Muslims here telling me this is the greatest news they've ever heard in their life, and I got 50 American college students telling us to basically, well, I won't tell you what they were saying, but <laughs> you get the picture, right? And what, what's happened? Well, it's the same thing that happened with the Jews. They heard it over and over and over again. They heard, but they, they're just, their ears were closed. And they, oh yeah, we've seen that before, but they couldn't see. Why? Because their hearts have become hardened. And of course, we cry out, we pray for mercy, we ask God to, to uh, pour out his spirit upon our nation. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's, he won't, I certainly hope he does. But I do know this, that all around the world, there are literally billions of people who have never heard the message, who are saying, can we hear the message? Please tell us the message. And so maybe that will be the central focus of the work of the Spirit in the days ahead. Because like Paul said here, uh, you know, you don't want to hear it. You've had your opportunity to hear it. We're going to go somewhere else and they will hear it. And so a second lesson there. And then thirdly, it says that Paul 
then remained for two years in uh, Rome. And during those two years, uh, people would come to him. And what does it say? It says that he was in his own rented house. He received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Preaching the kingdom and teaching Jesus Christ is the perpetual purpose and calling of the church. This is what the church is to do. The church is to preach the kingdom of God and teach people about Jesus Christ. That, that's what the church is to do. If the church is not doing that, then the church is really not the church according to the biblical picture of the church. And so this is, is what Paul did, and it is an example of what we are to do. So preaching the kingdom of God, what is that? He, he talked about the fact that Christ was the true king. Now, of course, this would be in opposition to the popular view that Caesar was king. Caesar's the emperor. You know, in those days, they would literally refer to Caesar as the Lord. So when the New Testament says Jesus is Lord, that was a pushback against the, the propaganda of the empire that, no, Caesar is Lord. That's what they said. And they wanted everybody to agree to that, that Caesar is Lord. But the Christian said, no, Jesus is Lord. And so as Paul preached the kingdom, that's what he would preach, that Christ is the true king. And of course, that's what we believe, that Jesus is the true king. Jesus is the Lord. His kingdom is the, the kingdom that we're ultimately concerned with and we're, we're ultimately serving, uh, not anything other than that. The second thing uh, Paul would have preached is that the kingdom has come. See, the kingdom came when Jesus came. The king came and he brought the kingdom with him. And so when Jesus went around the villages of Galilee preaching, what did he say? He said, the kingdom of God is, is here. The kingdom, when Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, as it reads in our text, he's saying the kingdom of God is here now. And then what did he say? Repent and believe in the gospel. And so the kingdom of God has come. God's kingdom has broken into history through the person of Christ, and we enter the kingdom today. Somebody put it like this a long time ago, that we are living in the already but not yet. And that, that's kind of a good way to understand it. The kingdom has already come. We, if you are a Christian today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ personally, you're part of the kingdom. You're, you're in the kingdom now. And you're living the kingdom life to a certain degree. Your, your personal experience and our experience together as God's people loving one another and ministering together and ministering to each other and blessing and sharing gifts and all of those kinds of things, those are all manifestations of life in the kingdom. But of course, this is a taste of what is yet to come. And so Paul would have also then included the kingdom is coming. So he would have told those that came to visit him that Christ is the king, that the kingdom is now, but the kingdom will come in its fullest sense in the future. 
And that's the message that we also bring today. So preaching the kingdom of God, and then it said teaching Jesus Christ. Teaching the things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in a sense, you know, although preaching can apply uh, to believers as well, but we think of preaching the kingdom, we're talking about this is the message to those who are outside. There is a king, the kingdom is here, come on in, and one day the kingdom will come in all its fullness. But then for those who come into the kingdom, what we do now is we teach the things concerning Jesus Christ. And so that, that's what we do. That's why we go through God's word because that's where, you know, the, God's, God's word is the, the ultimate revelation is about Christ. And so we're teaching about Jesus Christ, his person, who he is. We, we talk about his divine nature, uh, but also his human nature. He is God who took upon himself a human uh, body. And we speak of his life and his ministry and his teaching. And we learn about him from each of those things and his work, his work upon the cross, his atoning death and his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, his uh, sending the Holy Spirit to fill us. So those are the things we do. That's what the church does. What Paul did for two years there in Rome, that's just a little uh, microcosm of what the church is to be doing, preaching the kingdom and teaching the things that concern Jesus Christ. Now, as I said in the beginning, um, the story doesn't end here. You know, I, I thought about calling this message the, the end of the beginning, because the book of Acts is the beginning, and we've just come to the end of the book of Acts. But, it, but, it, but, the, but the story goes on, as we've already mentioned. And it will go on until the kingdom of God comes in all of its fullness. And to quote one final time from John Stott, he said this. He said, the acts of the apostles were long ago finished, but the acts of the followers of Jesus will continue to the end of the age, and their words will spread to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what we've seen. And like I said in the beginning, we've, we've sought to tie the, the past to the present. These are, these are historical accounts. They're absolutely true. This happened in history. But it's not just that. What happened in history is a picture of what is to happen all throughout history until the Lord returns. And so that's what we sought to do, take these stories and apply them to our current experience in this world. Now, as we come to a conclusion, I want us to remember that the mission is not yet completed. And there's still work to do. And we've got to continue to preach the kingdom of God and teach people uh, the things that concern Jesus Christ. And we can only do that through 
the empowering of the Spirit. And that's where the whole story began, remember? It all began with the, the followers of Jesus after his death and resurrection asking him this question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, that's what they were waiting for. They were, they were Jews. And they knew that there was a promise of a Messiah and that the Messiah would come and he would be a descendant of David and he would sit on the, the, the throne of David and he would establish a, a universal kingdom that would be based in Jerusalem. And it would be a, a blessing to the Israelites. It would be a blessing to the, to the Jewish nation. And, and the blessing would extend out to the rest of the world. And, and that's what they were expecting. They didn't expect a crucifixion. That just was not even remotely in their thinking. The Messiah can't die. He wouldn't be the Messiah if he died, they thought. But now they've, they've been educated. Okay, wow, the Messiah did die, but he came back to life. And now that he's alive, they're asking him this question. They're, and you know they probably thought like, all right, we're finally getting it. And so now is the time, right, Lord? This is when you're gonna uh, establish the kingdom. And what does Jesus say? He said this. He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses to me. Now to them, he said, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, which they were, and Judea, which they were, and Samaria, which they were, and all the way out to now Rome, where Paul is, to the ends of the earth. And that word for them is the same word for us today. You see, today, it's not for us to know times or seasons which God has put in his own authority. You know, we don't know when the Lord is going to return. And there's certainly nothing with, uh, no problem with having an interest in the coming of the Lord. I mean, that's a wonderful reality that is in the future at some point, but we don't know when in the future. And so rather than thinking, okay, you know, now is the time, the kingdom's gonna be restored to Israel. We just had a blood moon this past couple of days. You know, that says it all. And that means that the Lord's coming back in the next few weeks. Uh, some people say that. But, you know, that's... Somebody asked me on the radio the other day, what, you know, what does the Bible say about blood moons? Nothing. It doesn't say anything about blood moons. It just... There's a prophecy from, from Joel that's recorded right here in Acts that in, you know, at that time, at the very end, that the um, sun is going to turn to sackcloth and the moon's going to turn to blood before the coming of the great and the awesome day of the Lord. It's talking about what's going to happen during the tribulation. That's all it says. That's the only reference to a blood moon uh, in the Bible. And so when we get preoccupied with those kinds of things, um, it's just the wrong thing. And that, that's what Jesus says to them. Lord, are you going to establish the kingdom now? It's not for you to know that. That's not your... You don't have any control over that. This is what you are to know. You're going to receive power. 
and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to be witness to me. You're going to preach the kingdom, and you're going to teach concerning me, and you're going to do it starting right here, and you're going to go out to the farthest reaches of the world. And so as we close our study in the book of Acts, I want to remind you that that is where we are. We are at that place. We don't know when the Lord's coming. Uh, the sooner the better for sure. Uh, but that's not to be our, our obsession. or That's not to be our preoccupation. Our preoccupation is to be, Lord, we want to get the word out. We want to see the gospel spread. So, Lord, fill us with your spirit. Because, you know, this is something we can't do ourselves. We, God never intended that the Great Commission be fulfilled through us giving our best effort. Our best effort is going to fall short. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't give our best effort. It just means that our best effort is never going to get it done. We need more than our best effort, and God's happy to supply that. He told us he would. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so the best way to finish our study here in the book of Acts is just to be saying, Lord, would you fill me afresh with your spirit? Because obviously the work is not yet done. And there are many who still need to hear the gospel, who will come to faith in Christ and who need to be discipled and brought to maturity in the Lord. And Lord, would you, would you use me to do that? And remember, as we've gone through this book, we've seen, you know, we've seen it all. We've seen the apostles, and we saw how Paul was a kind of a, he was a persecutor, but then God pulls him in and makes him an apostle. But we've seen all of these different, just ordinary people, just like us, who are going about life with this goal, to glorify God. To, to glorify Christ, to proclaim his name, to, to get his message out to people. And those people are just a reminder to us that that's how God works. He works through people. He works through his people. And he calls some to be in a, a, a visible um, position, you know, high recognition, speaking to emperors and kings, and he calls some to do that. And, but you know, most, he just calls like to, hey, you got a neighbor, right? You got people that you work with, right? You got people that you're associated with. Uh, if they don't know the Lord, then that's the mission field right there. And there's people all around the world like that. So may God help us to realize that the story of Acts will not be completed until the Lord returns. And more and more and more chapters um, have been added already, and there's more chapters to be added. And guess what? You're in the book. You're in the story. And who knows? Maybe someday the Lord will just say, oh, here's the finished copy of Acts. And we'll read right here about you know Paul being in his own rented house for two years. And then suddenly we just jump into the next thing that happened. And you never know, you might be reading, you know, we've got a lot of time in eternity. You could read, you know, the, the story there. And all of a sudden there's your name. Oh, oh my goodness. 
Yes, we did this. I did this. Oh, and, and it's right here. You never know because the book is intentionally left incomplete because the work is not yet done. And we are the ones at this time to write the story. It's a never-ending story. Let's keep writing it by faith in the grace of God and through the power of his spirit. So Lord, we thank you for this great, um, exciting uh, story of the early days of the church here in the book of Acts and that we've been able to go through it together as a congregation. And Lord, we also wanna pray that we would be in our generation, uh, those who are serious about the faith and about the, the part that you would have us to play in the never-ending story. So fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit today, Lord. Lord, we ask you for that very thing that you promised. Lord, you said to wait till you receive the power. And so, Lord, we are wanting to receive a fresh empowering of your spirit. So whether we're gonna go on the mission field across the world and take the gospel there, or we're gonna go to the mission field across the street and take the gospel there, that we would go in the power of your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name.